I want to spend a few minutes talking about this idea, a house of hope, a house of hope, because I really believe that's what God has called us to be, the hands and feet of Jesus, hope to a hurting world. And I believe this is that if you've paid any attention to the news over the last week, month, year, years, you realize that our world is getting darker and darker. We live in a place where evil is called good and good is called evil. And there's never been a better opportunity for us to be the church of Jesus Christ. There's never been a better opportunity for us to be the thing that the world needs. They don't realize they need it, but the thing that the world needs, hope for a hurting world. And so I want to spend a few minutes there today. Ephesians chapter 2. Grab your notes if you got them. Your iPads, your iPhones, or your eyelids, you know, and look to the screen. It says this, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. I just want to stop there for a second because I I love and I've used this message paraphrase of this passage several times because it's so powerful to me. Because I think it's a good reminder because some of us, we feel so inadequate and underqualified. And overwhelmed at even the thought of God being able to use us. Because the truth is, you know all your junk. You know all your issues. And sometimes those are the things, those are the hangups that keep us from really pursuing and living out the call of God in our life. And here's what I love about Paul. He's saying, God wants to use you despite you. You hear me today, church? Listen, you know about you, but here's the deal. God knows about you too. And... And like Adam and Eve, you probably have time to time, like I have, tried to hide all that stuff from God, like he doesn't really know what's going on in your life. And the amazing thing about grace and the amazing thing about God is God uses broken people to do big things. He uses messed up people and he turns it into their message, their purpose. And the very thing that is broken in your life, God wants to use that to be the platform that he uses to change somebody else's life. Uh, I'm I'm preaching pretty good right here at the beginning. I'm starting out fast. That's all right, though. You know, just hang with me. Listen, but I'm serious this morning is that whether you've been here for six years or six minutes, you're a part of building God's kingdom in New Tampa and Wesley Chapel. And the local church is the vehicle that God uses for your ministry. The local church is the vehicle that God wants you to use to help your life find purpose and, 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 and help you find a place that you can connect your lost friends and people that you love to something that can change their life. Not just Bay Ch- the, the, the local church, the big C church. That's what God wants to use to change people's lives. It's the vehicle. It's how we raise people up, how people find their ministry, help, how, how people and kids find their gifts and grow and operate in those. And he says this, where are we at? He says he used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. It's all about Jesus this morning, everybody. Could we just remind ourselves today? It's all about, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about how good the music is. It is all about Jesus. He's he's the one that changed people's lives. And he's the one that holds it all together. Paul says, we see it taking shape day after day, year after year. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple, and I love this thought, which God is quite at home. Which God is quite as home. You know, I... I, I, like I feel every week, I was especially uh, 
just overwhelmed with gratitude as I, as I pulled into the parking lot this morning. And just to see the cars and the people out in the rain serving and, and doing their best. You know, people showed up at 7.30 this morning to move carts around and, and not, not, just, not just to fill a duty or, or, or just do something or, or just get a check off a box. But we're building a place for God to be at home. Not only in our hearts, but in this place. We're also building a place that every week we go, you know what, there might be just be one person that maybe is confused about God's love or their life is broken or, you know what, they had a bad experience at church 20 years ago and they've been separated from church because they feel like it's just a bunch of people who, you know, are judgmental. We're building a home for people to feel welcome. Think about how you do when you know somebody special is coming over to your house. I mean, we even pull out the vacuum cleaner, everybody. I mean, you go out of your way because when you know family or friends or somebody you love is, is coming into your home, I mean, you're, th- that playroom that there are toys, you can't even see the floor. You got your kids cleaning those up. I mean, the thousand Legos you got, they find their way into the Lego bit. Maybe it's just my house. All right. I mean, you, you go out of your way to make people feel at home. And that's what Paul's saying. As a local church, together, we're creating a space for God to feel at home and where people's lives can be changed. We're creating a house of hope. I want us to get a picture of that this morning. This is a place where people whose lives are lost and broken and hurting can find something that could change them forever. I love the quote by Hal Lindsey. He says this. He says, man can, can go without food for about 40 days. They can go three days, about three days without water. About eight minutes without air, but they can only go a second without hope. And I think there's so many, you can, you can identify people in your life, people you work next to in your office. They're hopeless. They're searching. They're trying to find anything and everything to fill all these voids in their life. And we've got the answer. Paul, Paul says this is actually the first chapter of Colossians. I want to just turn your attention to it real quick. 20, verse 27 and 28. Look with me. He says this, he says, He's talking to Gentiles who have heard about God and he's trying to teach them fully how God wants to operate in their life. And he says, God's plan is to make known his secret to his people, the Jews, this rich and glorious secret, not only that he has for them, which he has for all people. And the secret is, is this, is that Christ is in you. He's saying it's not just something you know about or have read about or heard about. Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. He said all that happened so that Jesus could live in you, which means that you will share in the glory of God. He says, so what is our response to knowing that Christ is in me? So we preach Christ to who? Everyone. We preach Christ. He said, knowing that the God who sent his son and raised him from the dead lives in you. Our only response is to tell everybody you know about it. You know what I notice here lately at Bay Chapel? There's something going on. There's this, this, this church growth strategy that we have going on at Bay Chapel, everybody. It's called pregnancy. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, it is great. It's, it, it, it's unbelievable. I feel like I jump on Facebook every week and find out somebody new is pregnant in the church. I don't know what's going on, but I would be careful when you drink that coffee in the back. There, some, something's happening. 2019, it's, it's a big growth year at Bay Chapel. And 
one way or another. And there was one mom in our church that I talked to. She was at a a team meeting we had this week, and she was just overjoyed. They had made an announcement they were about to have a baby, and and they were about the next day to to announce on Facebook what what gender the baby was going to be. And I'm telling you, there was this sense of excitement and joy in her heart that was inexpressible. And it was just like coming out, uh, you know, it was in her face. It was just everything. Uh, if you walk through that season, actually, Jen and I, we're just enjoying the season of seeing everybody else be pregnant. You know, it's just less painful, less expensive. And we're just, it, but we still get all the joy. And uh, so keep having kids, everybody. But there's something that happens when you're in this season, when you've got this living being inside of you and it's miraculous and you're going to the doctor and you're hearing the heartbeat and you're feeling the baby move around. It just consumes you. It overwhelms you can't. But everywhere you go, people see it. You want to talk about it. You're thinking about it. You're buying stuff for the baby. You're changing rooms up for the baby because when there's something living, growing, moving inside of you, you can't help. But it just consumes your whole life. And that's what Paul says. You need to understand this, that God is not a box to be checked on Sunday morning. You have the living son of God inside of you. And if you have found something that has changed you, everybody in your world needs to know how good it is. Everybody needs to know about it. Like you found hope, you found life, you found this, the promise of knowing that your sins are forgiven. You're going to spend eternity in heaven. That's good enough not to just talk about when you meet and huddle together on a Sunday morning for an hour. That's good enough to talk about. And I just remind us, we've got the greatest gift and it lives inside of us. His name is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And so we're building a house of hope. And I want to give us four things before we go this morning that really just help us understand what this looks like in our life and how we live this out. If we're going to be a church that's a house of hope, if we're going to be families that are houses of hope, number one, we got to be mission driven. We've got to be mission driven. I just want to remind us who we are as a church, Bay Chapel, John 10, 10. It's what we built our church on is foundational to who we are. Jesus said this. He said, here's the dangerous thing. The thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But he said this, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And we built and had this idea for Bay Chapel, the truth of God's word, and built it around this idea that the greatest thing that people could ever experience is the joy of knowing Jesus. And that the best life, even though we could try everything the world has to offer, at the end of the day, there's only one thing that satisfies And that's knowing Jesus, being in love with Jesus, having him in our heart, letting him change every sphere of our life. And so we say this, we exist to help people forwards, find God, find life, find God and find life and everything we do through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I recognize this is that while we live in a dark day, and not everybody's going to understand or agree or, or fall in line with the teachings of Jesus that it's, uh, church, hear my heart today. We need to be more passionate and more focused and more on point about living out our faith for Jesus Christ, no matter what the world says. Can somebody say amen? You know, not, not everybody gets behind every idea that we have, but I believe this is one idea that regardless of what people think, we need to live this out and walk this out. You know, it reminds me, 17 years ago, a man stood up, and unveiled a new electronic device that would change the music industry forever. At that time, all we had was uh, 
a portable CD player, which could play 15 songs, or you had MP3 CD players, which could play about 115 songs. But a guy got up named Steve Jobs and released in 2001. And the first thing he said is this. He said this. There's a new device called, that we're releasing called the iPod. The iPod. Now the iPod is like archaic, you know? I mean, who, who's, who runs around with an iPod? We all got it on our phone. We, said, we got an iPod. Now you'll be able to fit a thousand songs in your pocket. One of the first comments that he got when he got off the stage that day was from a guy that said, what a dumb idea. Who would ever want something like that? Let me tell you this. There's always going to be naysayers in your life. There's always going to be people that speak down your dreams. There's always going to be people that are detractors and don't believe in the God vision that he has for your life. Let me tell you, don't listen to him. Don't waste energy on it. Don't get caught up on social media about it. Man, let your focus be straight. Let your eyes be on Jesus. And let's be a church that keeps after the mission and vision of reaching people in our city for Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Let's live it out. Let's live it out. Let's stay on mission. Let's be a mission-driven church. Number two, let's be outward-focused. Let's be outward-focused. Let me, let me tell you this, church. This is, the dang- this is the most dangerous habit of every organization as they grow older, church or, or any organization, is to become inward-focused, to care more about what's in it for me or how I feel about it than the people that haven't heard about it yet, that the people that aren't here, we, everybody in this room, we exist for the people that haven't shown up yet. Hear me this morning. Everything we do is designed for people that haven't connected, that haven't heard the gospel, whose lives haven't been changed. And while we're going to grow and while we're going to be more mature in our faith and continue to pursue God and become greater disciples, that's going to happen until we get to heaven. We're going to constantly keep looking out the boat and find people who are drowning and throw them the raft and help them reach and and know the love of Jesus Christ. We got to be a church that's outward focused. That's the mission. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, what does Jesus say? Go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what it requires us? And I just want to challenge us. Because as we grow and as we become comfortable, it requires us getting out of our comfort zone. It requires us going, you know what? God, help me to not live my day today so focused on me. That, that's my natural tendency is to spend my energy and my focus thinking about me and, and what's in it for me and what do I need to do. You know, it reminds me, it was a few months ago, I was headed home from work in the afternoon and I, I, I was coming around the corner, a two-lane road that heads to our house and uh, I noticed that the traffic was backed up. There was four or five cars. And as, as traffic slowed down, I, I immediately kind of got irritated. You know how you do when you expect to get home at a certain time and something derails you from that. And I, I got irritated because I watched a, a lady park her car in the street and get out of her car. And I just, I'm like, what, what is going on here? Hey, we're all, we're all moving. This is not, you know, this is not your parking spot. This is the street. And I thank God I didn't roll down my window and, you know, tell her about the love of Jesus in that moment because it wasn't in my heart. Um, and, and I saw her walk around the car and, and she was there for a minute. And I'm thinking, what is going on? I stayed in my car and I watched this lady 
as she made her way past the car holding this giant turtle in her hand. And I thought, what, what is going on? You've stopped traffic for a turtle? I mean, come on, man. Let's, like, and I'm not, listen, I'm not one to pick up reptiles. And to be honest with you, be real, I'm not stopping for a turtle. I'm just going around the turtle. Okay, I'm confessing, all right? And, and I, and I kind of got frustrated as I watched this lady. And there was a point she just kept going, making her way to this lake that was a good ways away. And so here we are parked. And finally, Jesus got a hold of my heart, all right? Um, there is, you know, like in deep place, there's something good inside of me. And God pulled that out. And I watched this lady and I had this God moment. God spoke to me as I watched this lady coming back from taking the turtle and rescuing the turtle. Is that there's people everywhere we go that have found themselves on a road that they would never expected to be on in a direction they were never headed lost, confused, and their life is a mess. And they're looking for somebody who's willing just to stop for a second and go, hey, can I help? Can I be there? Is there anything you need? What can I do? Can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Church, it's not a matter of if there are people. It's just a matter, are we willing to stop and notice the people there? Listen, we need to be a church that's outward focused. I love what we're doing. I believe that the the best is ahead with outreach. I mean, I love hearing reports yesterday, how we're reaching people with a pantry and, and out of Zion, helping kids with special needs and those who are hurting. And, but I believe this, there's so much more that we can do church. And it starts with us just noticing the cashier, noticing the person next to us in traffic, noticing the person that works in the cubicle next to us. And let's love people the way that God loves them. Amen. amen. Oh, come on. That's a really weak. Amen. This morning. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's love people. Let's be outward focused. Galatians 6, 9. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. For at the right time, we will reap a harvest. How? If we don't give up. If we, if we stay after it. If we make a decision that the best is ahead. We stay outward focused. We stay mission driven. Number three, we stay relationally connected. We stay relationally connected. John 13, Jesus says this. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And here's the deal. Now, by the car you drive, the house you live in, the community, the serve team you're on, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love each other. If you love each other. I believe one of the ways that we love each other is we make a choice to build people up around us. And I want to challenge us as a church to be people that are encouragers. I want you just to think about your sphere of influence for a minute. Think about the people in your life. Can the people in your life say, you know what? I'm a better person because, because Wes is in my life, because John is in my life, because Sue is in my life, because, because you're in their life. Can, can people say that? Are we so consumed with ourselves that we don't even spend time to build each other up, encourage one another, stay relationally connected? You know, last, last weekend, we got to hang out with my parents, and my, my son's birthday was on Sunday, and so we went over to my parents' house, and I jokingly sent a text to my dad early in the week, and I said, Dad, um, you know, Caden, for his birthday, he wants to watch both NFL championship games. Would you make sure they're recorded? And so just for Caden's sake, he recorded those games. No, my nine-year-old cares nothing about football, but... Man, we spent all afternoon, and if you love football, you loved last Sunday. It was, it was awesome. Two overtime games, you couldn't have scripted them any better. 
um, you know, some bad calls that just made it more exciting. And it was, it was good stuff. And I just, I have a confession, you know, I don't even like to think that this gets recorded, but there was a moment where I was watching the second game last weekend. And, and, and I said, I said this out loud, Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback. Tom, and listen, I, I don't, I don't like to say anything good about New England in any time, you know, I mean, it's like, I, I have trouble just even confessing that we were going, I, at one point I was like, man, Tom, Tom Brady is the goat. And Jen's like, what is the goat? What is the you know, greatest? But here's the deal. As I, as I think about him, he's going to, I, I don't know how many Super Bowls now. Nine. I just, I knew you were with me. I was ready for your feedback. Uh, you know, you know what I, I love about Tom Brady is over, over the last 17 years, he's had player after player come and go. I, I think it's arguable to say that Tom Brady has taken a lot of teams that weren't the best teams to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. Tom Brady has this amazing ability to take whoever gets put on his team and make them better than they could ever be on their own. He brings out the greatness in other people because they were great players when they were on other teams. Now, and he's a great player, but Tom Brady has an amazing ability to help people see their full potential and bring it. That's, that's what makes him amazing. It doesn't matter who he's got wide receiver. They're the best receiver. He just brings greatness out of people. And here's what I wonder, what would it look like if we live to bring out greatness in the people around us. Do you hear me today? What if God has planted you in the season you're in to bring out greatness in your kids? Greatness in your wife. You spend so much time frustrated with who they are. Well, maybe the reason they're so frustrated and you're frustrated and they're not living up their potential is because they got to live with you. I'm just, you know, I'm just thinking about it. I'm just preaching to myself. That's not for you. That was for me. That was, that was too tough on you this morning. But it's the truth. What if we live to love people? What if, what if we believed that the greatest days for Bay Chapel are not when we get a building, but we believe that God could turn our city upside down in a high school? Here's, here's the deal. I, I love when people ask me, hey, when are you going to get a church? When are you going to get a building? I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe one day. I've never thought about us being a church when we get a building. We're the church right now. Let's pack this thing out, two, three, four. How many times we got to pack it out? Let's grow. Let's start new churches. Let's do whatever we can. Let's not wait till then to be great. Let's let God do great things right now in this season that we're in. Amen. Do you hear me today, church? Some of us are living in doubt and insecurity and pain over our failures and re- rejection and what hasn't happened in our life. God wants to do a th- new thing now in our lives. Let's be relationally connected. Let's love people. I-, I love this thought. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. We'll wrap it up in just a minute. He says, when I'm, th- when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I, I bring the weak to Christ. 
Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. You know what he's saying is, I humble myself. I make myself less so I can can help other people become everything that God has created them to be. I'll walk not living my life thinking about me, but I think about who I can impact, who I can reach or cry. Who can I invite to church this week? Who needs to hear the gospel? Who's hopeless that needs the hope of Jesus Christ? And number four, we'll wrap it up as this. I believe in 2019, as we step forward to this next year of our church, more than ever, church, we got to be spiritually hungry. We got to be spiritually hungry. I love systems. I love strategy. I love taking next steps. I love walking people on a journey. But I never want to, I never want to let systems or strategy or marketing or branding or anything about church life get in the way of the most important thing. And that is God's spirit. Hear me today, church. If we get everything else right and get this wrong, we get it wrong. Hear me this morning. I want to walk in here on Sunday mornings with a church full of people that wake up on Sunday going, man, we're going to go seek God. Man, we're going to go after God this morning. We're going to wake up on Monday morning. Our fam- my family's going to serve Jesus this week. We're going to love God. I don't know what's going to happen. It may rain all day long, but I'm still going to love Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen this week in my life, but nothing is deterring me from following and serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What does Matthew, what does Jesus say in Matthew 5? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. David says this in Psalm 73. It's one of my favorite Psalms. He says, God, I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Church, let's be, let's be, let's be that church in 2019. That we're driven by a mission, that we stay focused. We don't, we don't get caught up being judgmental, legalistic, going through the motions, but we stay passionate, white hot, hungry for God, knowing this, there are thousands of people moving into our community, living in our community and behind those pretty fences and and, and those stucco houses, there are hearts that are hurting and broken that need the love of Jesus. Let's go and reach them for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just bow your heads as we're close today?